Georgia trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move by in here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Lead pass to Tim Hill, Bobby Shaffadini, my man, how you doing? Uh, life is good, Randy. So excited to be back on the podcast with you. It's been a long time. Yeah, man. Well, how long? What? Two, three, four uh, years? <laughs> maybe something like that. It's been a while. <laughs> I know me and you uh, have done crazy amount of shows with high schoolers and college athletes and NBA guys. And, you know, we've been doing this for almost 10 years. So um, anytime I can get you on the show, man, you know, I'll do it. Well, absence makes the heart grow fonder, so I know you missed me. Now's a good time to come back around again. Hey, man. Welcome to the Retro Room, Episode 8. Uh, I know we got some topics to, to bring up. You can um, find Bobby Shafadini, who is the sports director at BronxNet Television here in New York, and also WFUV uh, sports director, 90.7 FM here in New York. So, you know, you're a very busy guy, so maybe that's why I don't have you on the show all the time, because you got you know, like multiple 9-to-5s, man. Absolutely, and you forget the big one. I mean, I'm also the play-by-play voice of Hoops in the Sun. Oh, yeah, I, I did forget that. <laughs> well, Almost that, 20 years of the game, too, my friend. I know, right? Time, time flies. 20 years this summer. Time flies, man. And, and you've been around... For 19, 19 of them. Boy, yeah. this will be 19, my 19th season. Wow, man. Buckle up. <laughs> Bring some suntan lotion uh, and, and, and a tent on umbrella, man. It's going to be hot. I'm hoping that I get to be on the 50 greatest list at some point. <laughs> uh, well, speaking on um, that that topic, I, I, you know, me and you were just all you know offline and trying to figure out what to talk about, and we kind of agreed that you know going over, kind of remixing the all-time NBA top 50 list would be kind of cool and fun. Um, that original list came out in 1997 during All-Star Weekend. Uh, at the Gund Arena, Cleveland, Ohio. So at the time, NBA was around for 50 years, and they had a whole bunch of players be on that on that list. And um, as we fast forward 22 years, you know there are a lot more names uh, that have played that could that could be considered to be on that roster. And I figured today we'll just have fun and take the time out to go over that original roster, find out. You know, who stays, who goes, who's on the bubble, and who do we plug in? And, you know, majority of these guys or some of, the, some of these players, I did not see play alive or at all. So this is no disrespect to them. But, again, just to have fun and see who can – who from the new generation can take the spots of the old guard and who and who would stay – that was on that list um, 20, 20 plus years ago. I know 
right off the back, there are some names that should have been on the original 50, but were not. So those might be the easy ones. So what I'm going to do, Bobby, I'm going to go to this list right now. And I'm going to read off to you every single person. They have it in alphabetical order. The 50 greatest players in NBA history. And then we'll kind of just, I'll read off the 50. And you kind of tell me your thoughts about it. And then I'm going to read it off again, one by one. And then you're going to tell me, stays, goes, come back later on the bubble. We'll figure it out. But we got to figure out who's going to go and who from the new generation is going to come on. So are you ready? I'm absolutely ready, 100%. Are you worried or nervous that somebody might come back to you and say, hey, Bobby, how dare you take Hal Greer off? <laughs> you know what? Not at all, actually, Randy. I, I, I actually like the, what would be the best word to describe this? I, w- I would say the back and forth from the fans that we often get when we do things like this. Yeah, you know, like I said, it's, it's all fun. Um, the comments, so to speak. The, the comments, the, the feedback. I've been getting some feedback on the other shows that I've been getting. So, you know, the retro, the retro room is a bunch of what-ifs and kind of just going back and kind of reminiscing some playoff games, some some matchups, some what-ifs. What if this guy was drafted by, like last week I did, um, what if Melo was drafted by Detroit and had a lot of people going like, hey, man, you're right. I never thought about that. What if he had a ring? The, the, the narrative of his legacy could, could you know, have been changed. So different things like that I like to bring up. And having you on to talk about this 50 greatest players list um, is going to be fun. So here we go. All right, so we have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Nate Archibald, Paul Arizin, Charles Barkley, Rick Barry, Elgin Baylor, Dave Bing, Larry Bird, Will Chamberlain, Bob Cousy, Dave Cowens, Billy Cunningham, Dave DeBusher, Clyde Drexler, uh, Julius Irving, Patrick Ewing, Walt Frazier, George Gervin, Hal Greer, John Havlicek, Elvin Hayes, Magic Johnson, Sam Jones, Michael Jordan, Jerry Lucas, Carl Malone, Moses Malone, Pete Maravich, Kevin McHale, George Mikan, Earl Monroe, Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal, Robert Parrish, Bob Pettit, Scottie Pippen, Willis Reed, Oscar Robertson, David Robinson, Bill Russell, Dolph Shays, Bill Sharman, John Stockton, Isaiah Thomas, Nate Thurman, Wes Unseld, Bill Walton, Jerry West, Lenny Wilkins, and James Worthy. Wow, tough list, my friend. <laughs> You're a tough job, right? <laughs> you know, I, I will say one thing that came to mind when this conversation came up. You know, having listened a lot to Bill Walton over the years, who I mm. think is a fantastic analyst, of course, an all-time great basketball player. And mm-hmm. this month of March, he is someone that comes to mind because in terms of all-time great college basketball players, Bill Walton would be in that conversation. I mean, he has to be right there at the top uh, coming out of those UCLA dynasties. But at one point he had said that, you know, we're approaching the NBA's 75th anniversary team, which would be coming up in 2022. Mm. So it might be something to consider at some point where we don't do the NBA top 50, but we rather do the NBA top 75, in which case this podcast would be null and void. It would probably <laughs> be a lot, a lot easier for us to just sit here and add 25 players to this already amazing list. Mm-hmm. than it's probably going to be to remove, you know, 
perhaps eight to ten of these players and shift up another eight to ten players. But I think for the fans that are listening at home, that should be what's in their mind, that you mm-hmm. know, guys that we're probably going to remove from this list, it's not like we're removing them permanently. We're just moving them down in the list right. of, of all-time greats. That, that's how I'm looking at it. Yeah, because I, I think you know the fact that if you you know if you're gonna add 25 players, um, I think it's kind of easy to just to, to you know to do that as opposed to just kind of subbing in those 50 players and picking choosing. So it's very easy to pick 25 players to add on to make oh these are, these are the top 75, but just to have fun in games, just kind of like hmm, I think you know we can sub in this guy for that guy. I think it'd be more interesting, you know. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. All right, so here we go. I'm gonna go back to I'm gonna go back to the roster, and then you, you know I'm gonna write down the players who you say are out or on the bubble, uh, or officially would stay. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, he is in, my friend. The all-time leading scorer can stay on the list. Are you sure? Hundred <laughs> percent. Nate Archibald. Oh, goodness, we're already going to get started with this. Um, you know, Tiny, out of the Bronx, one of the greatest little men to ever play the game in the NBA. Um, I'm going to put him on the bubble, believe it or not. Mm, look, look at you, starting already. Um, Paul Arizin. I'm going to take Paul off the list. Am I saying it right? It's Arizin, right? Uh, yes, Okay. Arizin. Charles Barkley. I'm going to leave Barkley on the list. Okay, Rick Barry. I'm going to leave Rick on. Elgin Baylor. One of the greatest shooters of all time. Elgin Baylor, one of the greatest forwards of all time. He'll stay on my list. All right. Dave Bing. I'm going to take Mr. Bing off the list. Poor Dave Bing. (laughs) Larry Bird. I'm going to keep Larry Legend on the list. Okay. Um, Wilt Chamberlain, I would assume he stays. Yeah, Wilt is still in his 100 points in one game can stay on my list. Bob Cousy. Bob Cousy gets to stay. Dave Cowens. I'm going to put Cowens on the bubble. All right, on the bubble. Billy Cunningham. I'm going to leave Billy on. Really? Yeah. Okay. Dave DeBusher. I'm going to actually put Dave DeBusher on the bubble. Okay, so school me. Why Dave the Busher on the bubble and Billy Cunningham is automatic? Uh, well, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I'm also a Knicks fan, so that might <laughs> contribute to this. But as great a player as Dave the Busher was, and an integral part of arguably the greatest starting five in NBA history, I think you could make a serious case that on that list of great players from that team, he may have. He may actually be fourth or fifth on that list. So I might take Walt Frazier. I might take Willis Reed mm. and uh, Earl Monroe definitely before him. I, and I might actually even take Bill Bradley before I would take Dave DeBusher. In which case, I think I have to move him off the NBA top fifty or at least put him on the bubble. Mm. I think Billy Cunningham statistically is a better player than Dave DeBusher. You know, that's the interesting thing about this debate when you talk about top 50 lists. You look at the all-time points for Dave DeBusher. He averaged about 16 a game. He did average 11 rebounds a game, so you're talking about a Mm -hmm. double-double. But he was also, you know, an integral piece of a great team. 
So his individual stats might not be as good as some of these other players on the list, but there's a reason why he was voted on the top 50 by the voters at that time that may have seen him play right. because they knew that DeBusher was, you know, a team player. You know, there's certain th- certain players in the history of games that when you watch them, you take a greater appreciation for them, even if they don't get the stats that maybe someone else does. You know, kids today from our generation will probably put guys like Russell Westbrook and James Harden above a lot of other players because they'll remember the 30-point games, they'll remember the triple-doubles, but they may not. They may overlook some of these other players that were good players on teams. Let's say uh, maybe a good comparison might be someone like a Clay Thompson, considering that the Golden State Warriors are very much like that New York Knicks early 70s team. Mm-hmm. So Clay Thompson's not the best player on his team, but he arguably would be one of the best players in the league if he was a standout individual on another team where he was required to do more. He just happens to play on a star-studded team. So to answer your question, I think DeBusher is an all-time great, but I don't know if he's still in the top 50 because some of the other individual stars that have emerged over the last 20 years. Okay. Clyde Drexler. You know, believe it or not, Drexler might actually fall in that category as well. You know, he played 16 years in the league. He won one championship. He did average 20 points a game. Uh, I look at him as someone that was a great scorer. And, uh, you know, he was also on that 92 Dream Team. Right. But I'm not sure if I would have him in my top 50 that would be remixed. I think you could probably put him during his generation under guys like Jordan, Magic, Bird, I even think he was probably under guys like Olajuwon um, at that point in his career. Again, different positions, but I think he would probably be someone that I would put on the bubble as well. Oh, so Clyde is on the bubble. Okay. Um, Julius Irving. Yeah, I'm leaving Dr. J. Um, Patrick Ewing. I'm biased to Patrick Ewing, so I'm going to keep him on the list. Walt Clyde Frazier. You already heard what I said about Walt. I think he's the greatest Nick of all time, and Patrick would be the second greatest Nick of all time. The Iceman, George Gervin. Uh, you got to leave George Gervin on the list. Okay. Hal Greer. Hal Greer would be someone I would take off the list. Poor Hal Greer. John Havlicek. I'm leaving Havlicek on the list. He'll be forever etched in my mind. Havlicek stole the ball. <laughs> Elvin Hayes. I'll leave Elvin on the list. Got to have some old-time guys on the list, Randy. Uh, what about this guy, uh, Magic Johnson? What about, that? What about him? What about him? I'm going to keep the uh, the guy that could play all five positions on my top 50, yeah. All right, Sam Jones. Sam Jones I will take off the list. So he's off. Michael Jordan. I'm going to leave MJ on my list. (laughs) Jerry Lucas. I'll actually also throw in a little plug there for all the youngsters that are listening. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. Yeah, there seems to be a big going on debate with him and LeBron nowadays. Uh, It's not a a debate to me, Randy. Oh, yeah. It's not a debate to many, but some out there are going to bring out LeBron's resume as they should. Um but I think when you have when you're six and zero in the finals and you're multiple time MVP and ten ten time whatever uh, you know scoring champion whatever it is I think those that resume of Michael is gonna out, um, outshadow LeBron. LeBron is 
great on the court, off the court. So that'll be a very ongoing debate unless LeBron happens to win three more rings before he retires, which I, I don't see happening. I just, you know, having watched both of them play, unlike some of the younger kids today that automatically anoint King James the greatest without having seen Jordan, I saw both of them play, and to me, Michael Jordan is in a class by himself. Okay, we have Mr. Jerry Lucas. I'll keep Jerry Lucas on the list, another Hall of Famer, of course. Okay, the mailman, Carl Malone. Uh, Carl Malone, one of the most complete players on the list. If he hadn't played in the era of Michael Jordan, he would have won championships. Oh, who's now next? Uh, Moses Malone. I'll keep Moses on the list, too. Pete Maravich. I'm actually going to take Pistol Pete off, even though I think he is one of the greatest scorers of all time. I'm going to take Pistol Pete off my list. Mm. 24.2 points per game in the NBA, played 11 years. Wow. Not enough with some of the new guys that I want to put on my list. And the big number for Pistol is never won any championships. Okay, to play advocate with you, I know there are going to be some people who are on this list who does not have a ring, a la Barkley, a la Patrick Ewing. So, I mean, he did play on some bad New Orleans teams, and he was a pioneer when it came to passing and ball handling. Mm -hmm. But I look at him more, and I, and again, I would be biased, Randy. I look at him more like a uh, like a streetball player or a Harlem Globetrotter than I do one of the fifty greatest NBA players of all time. Okay, Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale can stay on the list. George Mikan. I'm going to leave George Mikan on the list because, again, having some uh, older family members that are big-time NBA fans, George Mikan was the first true star of the NBA. So from a pioneer perspective, if you were going to probably bump someone up, you know, you could probably put Pistol Pete to some degree as a, a great player that was a pioneer because of how he changed the game as a showman. But I think George Mikan would probably have more value, even though he played the game in the NBA at a time when it wasn't fully integrated. So he might not have been playing against, uh, well, obviously was not playing against the best players in the world since it wasn't fully mm. fully that way. Um, but I think his impact might be greater than some of these other guys. I, I would at least leave him on the bubble or on the list altogether. Okay. Earl the Pearl Monroe. You know, there's been a lot of debates about taking Monroe when I've seen other lists. I've seen people, uh, you know, take him off. Um, I can tell you this, like I said before, if uh, if I'm putting Walt Frazier number one in Knicks territory and I have Patrick Ewing number two, you know, Earl Monroe was a great Nick and before that was, was the biggest rival for guys like Frazier. He was a problem. I mean, you don't get a nickname like Black Jesus without being an all-time great player. So I can't take Monroe off the list. I just can't do it. Okay. Uh, Akeem Olajuwon. Nope. Uh, Olajuwon, to me, was the only center during that era that was better than Patrick Ewing, which is why they probably beat them in that seven-game series. Who else we got? Shaquille O'Neal. And then that's, that was always the, <laughs> the ongoing um, – not the – the ongoing, like, why was he in there when he, at the time, was maybe a five-year veteran? So he was one He was four, four years in at the time. Um, he was a guy yeah. that probably should not have made the list in 97, but now, that you know, in retrospect, you look back, yeah. he's a no-brainer. Okay, Shaq. Uh, the Chief, Robert Parrish. 
See, I'm actually going to take Parrish off. I'm going to go the same logic that I did with that Nick team. Mm. I think you could make a case that Parrish was the third star on that Celtic championship team. I think you go Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, and then Robert Parrish. So I'm going to leave McHale. I'm going to leave Bird, and I'm going to put Parrish off the list. So, like, Dennis Johnson would be, like, the fourth best player on that the roster? fourth best player on that team, yes. Okay, we have Bob Pettit. I'm going to leave Bob Pettit. He would be another one of those guys where, you know, again, most people, including myself, only have seen him in rerun or on ESPN Classic. Uh, <laughs> but from all sounds of it, you know, Bob Pettit was an all-time great player. And uh, statistically... I think he, if you're taking some of these older guys that you want to consider taking off the list, I probably would still put him above some of the other ones that we've talked about taking off. All right. Scotty Pippen. I'm definitely keeping Pippen on. If Pippen hadn't played with Michael Jordan, he would have been the best player on that Bulls team. He showed you what he could do after Jordan was gone playing baseball. And to me, he's one of the greatest players of all time. Willis Reed. Uh, Willis Reed, too. I'll keep him on the list. He was the captain for those Nick championship teams. And I think that finals moment where he comes in and does his thing early in the game and sets the tone against the Lakers and uh, really was kind of like the emotional, you know, energy for those Nick teams. I think you have to leave him on. Okay. The big O, Oscar Robertson. Uh, Mr. Triple Double. Um, absolutely. There's no way in hell I would take Oscar Robertson off the top 50 list. The Admiral, David Robinson. You know, it's interesting. I, I saw David play a lot, of course. Um, he's someone I think I would put on the bubble on this list. Mm. Okay. Bill Russell. No one's got more championships than him. I'm keeping Bill Russell on the list. Dolph Shays. Yeah, our next two guys I'm actually going to take off the list. I'm going to take Dolph Shays, and I'm going to take Bill Sharman <laughs> off the list, Randy. Uh, Dolph played 15 years in the NBA, won one championship. It was probably a tougher decision for me to take Bill Sharman off. He played less years, but he won four championships. But I think looking at the numbers, when you see, you know, Dolph had 18.5 points a game and 12.1 rebounds, which, of course, is excellent. And he led his team to the playoffs in 14 of the 15 seasons. But he would be a guy that I probably would put just outside of my top 50, meaning that I have guys that I want to put on the list now that would bump him down just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Of course, he'd be, in, he'd be in the top 75, and so would Bill Sharman when they come out with a with a 2022 team for that 75th anniversary. I, I expect Shays and Sharman to still be on the top 75. But um, I think I'd probably put both of them outside of the top 50. John Stockton. You know, John Stockton's a little tough for me, too, but I'm going to leave him on the list. Ooh, why tough, though? Why, why, why tough? Because I think the game has really become a lot about the guards these days, and there's actually a couple of guys that, I, to me, I, I would want to have on my team before John Stockton. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to get to that in a minute, but uh, the two guys that automatically pop off the top of my head are Jason Kidd and Steve Nash. And to me, I probably would have Jason Kidd and Steve Nash before I would have John Stockton. Ooh, Bob, I don't... Um, hmm. All right, you know, we'll come back to that. Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas, I think, is one of the most unsung players in NBA history. I think he might actually be underrated. I'm going to keep Isaiah Thomas on my list. Nate Thurmond. Nate Thurmond. Uh, I can keep Nate on the list, too. 
Okay. Wes Unseld. I'm going to take him off the list. Okay, school me. Why Unseld off, Thurman on? Uh, I think, again, you, you know, a combination of two things. You know, Wes won one championship, 13 years in the league. And he was, you know, one of the guys that oftentimes gets spoken about being great because of being kind of undersized and how good he was competing against a lot of guys that were 6'10", 6'11", 7 feet. You know, he was six foot seven, great rebounder. But I just think uh, statistically I'd rather have Nate Thurman. You okay. know, you can't keep – I think you look at players from certain eras, Randy, you know, mm-hmm. um, and to me when I was going back through this and trying to figure out the lists – I tried to take the players in comparison to the era they played in and where they ranked in their own era, if that makes any sense. It does, it does. As good as Wes was, you you might not be able to take all the players, let's say, from the 70s at at that relative position. So to me, I I look at the position, I look at the era they played in, and then I make a decision on whether or not I'd want to keep them on the list. Okay. Bill Walton. Same thing, you know, Bill Walton, to me, I, I'm going to take him off the list. He won two, cha- uh, two championships. I already mentioned how great of an, uh, you know, a, a sportscaster he is. And he played 10 years in the NBA, but a lot of his career was marked by injury. He won his championships later in his uh, in his career. Um, you know, I, obviously that second ring came kind of riding the coattails of uh, the Boston Celtics. Um, I, you know, I think he's a very good player, but I don't think he's in the top 50 anymore. The logo. Uh, you, you, you can't take Jerry West <laughs> off the list. I mean, he's a logo, so <laughs> he's got to be the logo for some reason, right? Yeah, no doubt. Okay. Um, final two, Lenny Wilkins. So I'm going to take Lenny Wilkins and James Worthy off my list, believe it or not. Uh, Lenny Wilkins never won a championship. I think he was a better coach than he was a player. You know, he's he's actually come out before because he's been interviewed about this. There have been some people that said he shouldn't be in the top 50. You know, by the time he finished his career, he was seventh all time at points. But, you know, the, the game has changed so much. And you go back, you look at his averages. He averaged 16.5 points per game, uh, 4.7 rebounds, 6.7 assists. I think there are guys that you and I will put on this list right now that are better than Lenny Wilkins, you know, and never won any championships. Mm-hmm. It was harder for me to consider taking James worthy off the list because he won three championships yeah why him but uh, again i'm kind of going with the same concept i think james worthy is a great player he played on some great teams his numbers probably would have been a lot better but i don't think he i think he was the third best player on that laker championship teams or or at least some of them um because i would have kareem number one or magic number one uh and you know and vice versa i'd have kareem and magic and then i'd have james worthy Okay, so still on the bubble, Nate Archibald, Dave Cowens, Dave the Busher, Clyde Drexler, who was his bubble, David Robinson. All right, so how many guys did I take off and how many guys do I have on the bubble? You officially took off one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You took off 10 guys that are officially okay. off. Okay. And you have one, two, three, four, five on the bubble. So basically you have 15 players that are going to be out. Okay. So I, I guess I, to me, because it's too tough for me, I got to I gotta leave. I got to leave Tiny on. Okay. So he stays. All right. And uh, give me the other four again that I took off. Dave Cowens. 
I'm going to take Cowens off. Uh, Dave DeBusher. I'm going to take Dave DeBusher off. Clyde Drexler. I'm going to leave Clyde Drexler on. And David Robinson. And I'll leave David Robinson on. Okay, so now we have officially one. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve. Okay, so you, twelve. You got to find so twelve players. That's easy for me, my friend. I got them right now. Oh, matter of fact, hold up. Could it be thirteen? Thirteen. I forgot. Paul Arison. Thirteen. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean, me obviously. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12. Yes, 13. So you you, you got to fill in 13 spots. I mean, so, I mean, Randy, come on. The locks here are easy. You know, you're not you're not doing a top 50 these days without LeBron James and Kobe Bryant. That's definite. Okay, LeBron is one. Kobe is two. I think after that, the guy that I would have put ahead of David Robinson would be Tim Duncan. So Duncan, Duncan gets in. Yeah, so that's three on my right. list. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to go quick. Watch. It's going to go Dwayne real Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowitzki, and Kevin Garnett would be my next three. And you got to fill out 13 total. So you have six already. LeBron, Kobe, Duncan, Wade, Garnett, and Dirk. Need now, seven, the, seven guy, the guy that I was thinking about when I saw Tiny and even thinking about taking Tiny off, I was thinking of Allen Iverson. So I'm going to put Allen Iverson in my top 50. Okay. Six more. I'm going to take Ray Allen. Hmm. Jesus Shuttlesworth makes it, huh? Absolutely. Greatest shooter I've ever seen. Okay. Ray Allen. That's eight. At least for a total career. The next great shooter is also... I'm actually going to put him on a list, which I think is going to drive some people crazy, but... Oh, Curry? I'm going to put Steph Curry on my list of top 50. So when you say that's going to drive people crazy, why would people argue with that? Well, what is he, nine years in, three championships? Just about, yeah. I mean, I, I think it would be the same debate that might have come up with Shaq, where, you know, maybe he hasn't done enough just yet. You know, but he's won a scoring title. He's got two MVPs, three championships. And he's about 30 years old. I mean, you know, I, I think he's got a chance to go down as every bit as good as Ray Allen and Jerry West. And I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody shoot the basketball better than him, uh, aside from probably Ray Allen. And, and I think it's debatable right there. You can make a serious case that Curry is better than Ray Allen. Ray Allen's pretty uh, clutch three-point shooter, though. So... Um, and, you know, and he's still the all-time leading three-point shooter, right? I Reggie believe. Miller would also be on that list of all-time great shooters. I, I think you'd have to have Steph Curry on that top 50. Okay, so you're at number nine. I need four, more, 10, 11, 12, 13. Yeah, four more. So the other guys I was thinking of were Kevin Durant, of course. Three more. And then I would go with... What else did I give you, I guess? I mean, I was thinking of... Yeah, get tough right now. Uh, get tough right now. I was thinking Steve Nash, Jason Kidd. Kidd, Nash, 
Oops, Nash. And probably, you know, maybe Paul Pierce. So Paul Pierce on your new top 50. Yeah. The only other guy I was thinking about for that last spot was probably Reggie Miller. Yeah, why not Reggie? Why? Uh, well, okay, t- okay. I, I, you know what? I'm gonna play advocate with you. All right, why? Why do you think Reggie was not on the original fifty, and why he? Why Reggie can't get on this new fifty of yours? You know, he'd be right there in those fifties. I think. You know, I mean, he's got no championships. He played 18 years in the league. Uh, great clutch shooter. Um, you know, I mean, Steve Nash also played the same amount of time and he has no rings, but I look at the, you know, he has the two MVPs. I just think, you know, again, if you were asking me the guys I would add on and, and kind of comparing errors and some of the overlap, I think I'm looking at the shooters and I'm thinking to myself, Ray Allen, Steph Curry, Reggie Miller, I'm probably going to put Curry and Allen before him. So I added the both of them to my top 50. Okay, I'm 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 gonna throw out some names, and then maybe you might have forgotten them. Maybe they could be still in consideration, or you're gonna tell me there's no room. So, just off the bat, I did have Reggie Miller, so you, you you're not putting him on, right? I I think he would be. You know, again, I could probably take one of the other guys off. Maybe even some of the guys I might not have seen from way before. Uh, but you know you got to remember too, bias man. I'm a Knicks fan, so Reggie Miller will always be. Oh man, he will always be <laughs> in hated territory, my friend. Uh, who else we got? All right, Dominic Wilkins. I, you know another great player, but I still think from his era, I'd rather have a handful of guys. You know, including Clyde Drexler. So Dominic can't get on the original fifty, and he can't get on your new fifty. No. Because of the guys that I've added to my list. I think so look at the locks that I added to my list. Yes. Do you think Dominique is better than you don't think he's better than LeBron James? No. You don't think he's better than Kobe Bryant? No. I understand they play different positions, but he's not better than Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. I think you can make a serious case from what you've seen. He's not better than Kevin Garnett or Dirk Nowitzki. No. Let me ask you this. Would you rather have Dwayne Wade or Dominique Wilkins on your team in their prime? Probably D-Wade. Okay, so there's there's one, two, three, four, five, six guys that I just added to the list to fill the 13 spots that you all would not have instead of Dominique Wilkins. But if- I know his career wasn't as long in terms of dominance, but I mm-hmm. think Allen Iverson was a better player than Dominique Wilkins. But so so Dominique can get a spot over somebody who's already on that original fifty. You know he might. I'd probably have to look at it again and maybe take somebody off. And again, all of this stuff is debatable, and some of it, you know, is true. You know, you look at a guy like Nash. Like I said to you, he didn't he didn't win any championships, but he did have the two MVPs, and you know, he led the NBA in assists five times. I mean, that's pretty darn good. <laughs> you know, and there were four seasons that Nash was you know 90% from the free throw line and 50% from the field. I mean that's like unbelievable. And 40% from 3. So there were those for those four or five seasons, Steve Nash was 90% from the line, 
50% from the field and 40% from downtown playing on arguably the greatest offensive team in NBA history. Um, what about Bernard King? Bernard King's a great all-time scorer, but he wouldn't make my top 50. I'm not putting him ahead of any of the guys I just mentioned. I think Jason Kidd, as much as I, I was never that big a fan of Jay Kidd, I think he's an all-time great player. He's this era, you know, that era is Magic Johnson. Hmm. And Jason Kidd, to me, would be just slightly above John Stockton. Mm-hmm. So to me, I probably would go Magic Johnson, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, John Stockton. I'm trying to think over here. Um, yeah, because the main the main arguments back in the day was Dominique and Bernard King not on the original fifty. So Bernard King can't get a spot. I'm trying to figure out why Bernard wasn't on the original fifty. Well, he had the big. ACL tear it derailed mm-hmm. his career you know he had comeback player of the year honors with Washington when he was with the Bullets you know he didn't win a championship with the Knicks he didn't win a championship with the Bullets of course uh, you know a great player I mean a great scorer I just don't think he falls uh, he'll fall in my top 75 but he doesn't make my top 50 okay so no Dominique no Reggie no Bernard King uh, no, Re- listen Reggie Miller makes the finals once right he loses yeah. to the Lakers in 2000 mm-hmm. you know and I think he was definitely the alpha male on his team so if there was going to be a guy that I would say to you you know we talk about where they fall in their teams and also where they fall in their errors Reggie Miller would be right there on the bubble you know I might I might have to go back and look at the list and see if I could probably add one more person on maybe to put him in but same concept. I thought to myself, I'm grouping Paul Pierce, Reggie Miller, and Ray Allen in the same bunch of players. So when I thought about it, as crazy as this may sound, I may also be biased because of my love for the Knicks. I probably would take Pierce and Allen before I would have Miller on my team. Is that fair? Um, if you're going to be biased, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. But I mean, in all honesty, if you if if I said to you, if we were you know drawing straws and having to pick teams, mm-hmm. and I said to you, you know, the last three players, you get to choose, I get to choose, you get to choose, kind of thing. Who who of those three players are you going to take? Um. So I would say for me, with Reggie Ray Allen. And Paul Pierce, I think I would pick Paul Pierce and Ray Allen above Reggie Miller, but that doesn't mean I can't pick Reggie over uh, Jerry Lucas or <laughs> or uh, uh, Elvin Hayes. I mean, you know, like I said, these are guys that I haven't seen, so I don't know the game like that. But that's why it's always tricky up in the air who comes off, who comes on, and or, or who gets added on. But a guy like Reggie Miller, who is top three top four all-time shooter ever in the game all-time three-point leader i think top three uh, with ray allen and curry and them guys so that's why i'm like he wasn't on the original 50 but if you ask me reggie ray allen and paul Piz, i would say paul and ray allen above him yeah you know again that was the same logic that i had i had those three guys kind of grouped together in my you know new list and if there was a place to maybe add Reggie Miller, I probably would. But he was, you know, one of the guys that, to me, I would take off. You know, we were talking about it before, too, because, like, Steph Curry, mm. 
you know, you can make a case that some people might argue with with that. You know, they'll tell you that, you know, I'd rather have Reggie Miller than Steph Curry on on this list. But I think by the time it's all said and done, when Curry has perhaps played the 18 years that Reggie Miller has played, I think we're going to look back on what Curry's done to the long range game and how that has changed the game of basketball. I mean, Steph Curry has changed the game of basketball the way, like I said, I never saw him play, but the way that George Mikan made the NBA widen the lanes in the 1950s, or the way, you know, we look back and we look at, you know, people will tell you, oh, you know, Wilt the Still Chamberlain played, you know, where he was the tallest player on the, on the floor, and there were so many non-athletic guys out there. Well, that might be true, but you know what? We have goaltending because of Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, the guy... We changed the rules to try to stop him. And it sounds like players like George Mikan might have been that kind of way in the 1950s. And a guy like Steph Curry is that way, I think, right now. You know, the way he has changed the game. I mean, teams don't think about the number of threes that are shot in today's game. So what that does is there's probably going to be a lot more three-point shooters on the top 50 list. And to me, that next group of guys would be Paul Pierce, Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, and Steph Curry. So of those four guys, I'd rather have Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Steph Curry, and then Reggie Miller. That's just how I looked at you know looked at it. And my generation growing up, Randy, if I needed a last second shot, if I needed someone for a buzzer beater, mm-hmm. I was probably going to take Pierce, Miller, or Allen, no doubt about it. Right. But with that being said, I still think I would take Pierce and Allen before I would take Miller. Hmm. That's just how I looked at it. Okay. You know, and again, you go back and you look at his stats too. And again, there might be people that are listening to this right now killing me. <laughs> he he was a good scorer. You know, he averaged 18 a game. But the other stats, three rebounds, three assists, 1.1 steals, 0.2 blocks. He was a three-point shooter that had a knack for making big plays. You know, everyone will remember the only player to score eight points in 8.9 seconds in the playoffs, Reggie Miller. You know, he did it despite Spike Lee and John Starks and the Knicks in that game one of the 95 Eastern Conference semifinals. I'll never forget that game. I'll never forget that moment. Reggie Miller was a great player. I think he's in the top 75. To me, he's just not in the top 50. Wow. I can I can smell the bias coming out of you, Bob. I can smell it. I see it, too. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, I, you know, I, I'm being honest with you. I mean, I don't think you've been able to debate any of the things I'm saying to you, though. You know, I'm giving you these other players. You know, if you want to take if you want to go back and take somebody off like a George Mikan, then you could. You know, I mean, there were other guys that I took off. You know, I mean, I, I took some very good players off. I mean, Robert Parrish is a really good player. Dave DeBusher is a really good player. And so is Reggie Miller. Yeah. But some of the guys that were all-time great players in their era – at the very, very top, again, like George Mikan, I left him on. I never saw Mikan play live. He played in the 50s. He might have played against a different field of players. But for his generation, which that's not his fault, of course, for his generation, he was a marquee player, the, the star of stars during his era. So I left him on. I tried to leave at least one or two stars from each of the respective eras on this top 50 list. All right, who else we got here? Um, okay, some some other names we got. T Mac. Yeah, you know, again, same concept. Tracy McGrady was really good, but he wasn't better than Kobe Bryant. Um, and I don't think his career stats were 
as dominant for the amount of length of some of these other guys we just talked about. Like I would take Jason Kidd before I would take Tracy McGrady. Uh, uh, Vince Carter. Vince Carter, too, man. I mean, especially the fact that he's still dunking. He's like 50 years old and still jamming. <laughs> um, and I love him. You know, I mean, I, I don't think anyone has, you know, been as good a dunker as him, um, too. You know, I mean, you know, that that all, all-time all dunk contest, you know, that first victory there with uh, Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll remember that forever. You know, I'll, I'll remember the jam over Frederick Weiss in the Olympics. You know, I mean, there's some great moments for Vince Carter, but he doesn't make the top 50. He's very much like Dominique Wilkins. He's, he's a modern day Dominique Wilkins. He'll make my top 75, but he's not going to make my top 50. Chris Weber. He would probably also be in the top 75, but no, nowhere near the top 50. Damn. I mean, some, some, some would underrate C Webb. Like if you go back and check the numbers, I'm I'm going to do it in two seconds. But he's one of the rare guys who probably averaged. I'm not sure over career. I know he played on some bad teams afterwards. But like 2010 and 2010 and five was always C Webb's numbers. Now did he average that for career? I'm going to find it right now. But he was one. I think he had like seven, eight straight years of 2010 and five. Okay, but like again, so just at least with my new list of let's say 13 players that I just gave you, Mm -hmm. I'm not taking Chris Webber over Tim Duncan. I'm not taking Chris Webber over Kobe Bryant or LeBron James. I'm not taking Chris Webber over Allen Iverson. I don't think he was as good as Kevin Garnett or Dirk Nowitzki. I don't even think he was as good as Dwayne Wade. For career, career, 21, 10, and 4, C-Webb. Yeah, I mean, I, and I'm, I'm. That's great numbers. It is. <laughs> I just don't. I don't have him in the same conversation as you know. Even the newer guys I put on. I, I think by the time it's all said and done, Randy. And again, I might be. I might be out of my mind. But by the time it's said and done, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant are going to go down as two of the greatest players of all time. If they're not already two of the greatest players of all time, mm-hmm. they have to be in the top fifty. LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and Tim Duncan have to be in the top fifty. So that's five guys that would have to go into the top fifty. They're going to somehow remove five other guys from the top 50. And then after that, you know, to me, Dirk Nowitzki and Kevin Garnett, they got to be in the top 52, man. I don't I don't think there's I think KG was better than Chris Weber. Mm-hmm. I agree. Not, I'll agree. Yeah. I agree with that. I, yeah, I agree. And I think Dirk Nowitzki is very much like some of these other guys we see on this list. You know, I mean, if you're going to go Larry Bird. Then I I think you got to have Dirk Nowitzki in there, right? Um. All right. So no no to Vince, no to T. I mean, would you have Paul? Don't you think Paul Pierce is a better player than Chris Webber? I mean, they play two different positions. Um. And and that's why I say C. Webb is underrated because he can score, rebound, a great passer. Um. Pierce can score. Uh, I would say overall decent rebounder. Um. Not a good passer as C. Webb can shoot better than C. Webb. More threes, you know. He's the guy that made all the clutch shots. So that Pierce does have an advantage over C. Webb. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's why I said you know this list is tough, man. Like I said, I you, we took some really good players off this list, including you know I mean Pistol Pete 
especially being a white dude growing up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Pistol Pete's like a legend, man. I mean, he, you know, he's uh, he's white chocolate. He's the first, you know, the first guy to be able to do all of these things. Mm-hmm. And but that doesn't make him a, an all time top 50 guy. You know, I mean, that's what the point is, is, you know, Vince Carter is a terrific player. He's still playing in the league, which says something about his game. I don't think he's just a dunker. I think he's a very good player. Just the same way I feel about Dominique Wilkins. But the question is, did they do enough for their career stacked up against the players at their position in their era? And I still think you probably have to consider championships. And if you're not going to do the championships, then you probably have to look at the hardware. Because if you win the MVP, especially multiple times, that means at that time, someone felt you were the best player in the league. Steph Curry's got two MVPs. You know what I mean? He was He's considered... Twice so far in a nine-year career that in those two seasons, he was the best player in the NBA. Same thing for Nash. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, Gary Payton. Wow, Gary. See, again, Gary Payton, um, you know, you put him in that era with guys like Jay Kidd, John Stockton. You know, he would be, to me, he'd be in, in that top five maybe of his era of point guards, but he doesn't make the top 50 players of all time. Hmm. Um, how about Carmelo? You know, again, we you know I bring up that number. I don't know if it's if it's a good thing to throw out there, but it, I think it's impressive. You know, Jason Kidd had that same 50, 40, 90 club, mm-hmm. Randy. You know, where you know shot fifty percent from the field, forty percent from three, right. and ninety percent from the line. He did that for at least one season. You know, that's a tough thing to do. You know, um, only eight players in the history of the game have done that: fifty, forty, ninety. And the guys that are on that list, you know, are guys, like I said, like Jason Kidd or Magic Johnson. Uh, and I think, I actually think Kevin Durant has done it as well. What about Carmelo? You know, one trick pony, man. You know how I feel about Melo. Uh, great scorer. He'll be a Hall of Famer, but he's not top 50. Hmm. He probably would make the top 75 players of all time, though. But not top 50. Mm. And there's also a chance he might not even make the top 75. He would be in the conversation. I'd have Chris Webber before I'd have Carmelo Anthony. Oh, come on, Bob. Carmelo, not top 75? Not. It's t- possible. Oh, man. Listen, because I just gave you 13 new guys. Mm-hmm. That means that that's 50. You add the 13 guys that are off the top 50. Now, again, you could probably bump one of them maybe for Melo, but that would put us at 63. So that means I'd have another 12 spots. So the other 12 spots would be guys like I'd have Reggie Miller before I'd have Carmelo Anthony. Really? I, yeah, mm. I would. Because what? Uh, more clutch. And I think, uh, you know, if you're going score for score, yeah, Melo was a great scorer. Uh, but I think I think Reggie Miller was, like I said to you before, the alpha male on his team. And at least he went to the finals once. You know, Melo never went to the finals. And, you know, when Reggie Miller did go to the finals, he ran into, you know, a dynasty Laker team, you know, and then if you want to add in Reggie Miller playing in that era, you know, to me, you already heard how I feel about Jordan. Anybody that played in Jordan's era, it's almost unfair. Charles mm-hmm. Barkley is a great player. He would have won championships. You know, the only player to get a couple rings in the Jordan era were that those rocket teams, you know, were, were Lajuan and company. And, and I don't think they would have won those rings if Jordan had stayed in the game. I don't. I don't care what anybody says. I think if Jordan plays, they win eight straight. That would have been very tough to do, Bob. And I know um, 
Chicago might not have an uh, an answer for Olajuwon, but maybe they don't have an answer for Jordan. I think that would have been they played LA, they played Portland, and they played uh, Phoenix in those three finals. If they play Houston, that would have been probably the more complete, more better matchup to see. All right, this, this you know this won't be a sweep, but it might go the distance. Um, younger, more athletic. Robert Ory was there. A young a rookie, Sam Cassell. Kenny Smith was there. Um, Mad Max. Maxwell. Yeah, it was, some good, it was a good team, man. That was a really good team. But I, you know, again, once Michael Jordan figured out that he didn't have to do it all by himself and he could incorporate other players on his team. The Bulls were unstoppable. Mm-hmm. No, they were unstoppable, Randy. I mean, you watch those teams. Yeah, you watch those games. Absolutely. I was in the, and I'm a Knicks fan. I'm not even a Bulls fan. Well, I, I just have the utmost respect for Michael Jordan because to me there wasn't anything that that guy couldn't do on a basketball court. Mm-hmm. And if there was anybody that could, you know, beat anybody, especially like I said, once he figured out the combination that Phil Jackson had kind of set out before him, which is the triangle and incorporating all of those role players. Those teams were just unstoppable. Just like, you know, I, I love the NBA today, Randy, and this is a separate conversation. Yeah. And maybe fans that are listening to this are going to go, Oh, you know, there's a chance. There's no chance. I'm telling you right now, you don't have to watch the playoffs again. The golden state warriors are winning another title. It's happening. Mark it down, and and your, you, know. I, I, you know, as a fan, does that bother you? The fact that you, you like you feel like you know the outcome already before the playoffs even begin. No, I mean it, it doesn't bother me because you know the league has been predicated on having dynasties and and great all time teams, and at some point the Warriors' run will probably end, but it probably will be because of their own demise as opposed to the league catching up to them i mean are they as good this year as they have been in previous years no but i still think if i had to pick one team that somehow is going to win every single long series you know to me nobody is beating them in a seven game series it's just not happening you know could someone push them to seven games or push them to six games sure you know but no one's beating them in seven games that was the same way it was with the bulls back then you weren't beating michael jordan in seven games you know it's funny too we talk about Randy and I don't know you know when the best time maybe the segue would be but you know you look at back at 97 mm-hmm. and to me as a Knicks fan you know a good topic for us coming into doing today's show was about how that could have been the best Nick team that they have had since those Walt Frazier Willis Reed Dave DeBuscher early 70s championship teams it's just incredible to think the Knicks haven't even had a championship team since 73. But to me, in my mind, my, the most fun team over the over the last you know two decades has definitely been that 1999, you know, eight seed, make it to the finals, lose to the Spurs with Latrell and Allen Houston and Larry Johnson. But the best team that the Knicks had, the best chance that they had to win was in 1997 in that Eastern Conference semifinal against Miami. And uh, okay, now since you brought it up, I'm trying. I'm trying to refresh my mind. Ninety-seven, Miami wins in seven. New York was up three-two. Then you had a fight going on in Game Five. Knicks were up three-two in that series. That's when the whole PJ Brown and those guys, and you get a whole bunch of New York Knicks uh, suspended for Game Six and Game Seven. I'm looking at it right now. Um, 
So you had Ewing, Houston, Ward out for Game 6, and then you had LJ and Starks out for Game 7 in a pivotal second-round matchup to go against Chicago in the conference finals. So you're saying if the Knicks had everybody intact, no suspensions, everybody healthy, they will beat Miami and then get Chicago again in the conference finals. And then what? Do they beat Chicago in 97 conference finals? Yeah, you know, I don't know if they beat them in 97, but I think that their best chance to have beaten them during that run because of of the team that they had. You know, there's even rumors back then, Randy, you know, it's it's so, I want to say ironic because obviously what he was to the Knicks before he went to Miami, but there were rumors that Pat Riley made sure that P.J. Brown did what he did because he knew that that Knicks team was better than Miami and he was trying to get players suspended during the brawl. You know, and, and to watch Ewing, Houston, and LJ and Starks leave the bench and then to hand out those one-game suspensions spread out over the final two games of that series – you know, you and I had talked about it before we went on the air. That rivalry with the with the the the, the, uh, the Heat and the Knicks, they play each other four consecutive years. The Knicks go on to win three of those four series. Mm-hmm. The only series they didn't win was the first one, which went the distance, and all four of those series went the distance. You're right. Ninety seven <laughs> went to seven. Uh, 98-1-5. Back then, it was a five-game series. 99, it went to five. And in 2000, it went to game seven. Absolutely. So, you know, you look back at that 97 year, which, again, will be remembered always for the top 50. But to me, as a Knicks fan, as a New Yorker, I remember that 97 season because of the Knicks being so good. And thinking to myself, you know, this might actually be the year. You know, things slipped away in 94 that series went seven, and John Starks, of course, was so good in game six and so bad in game seven. And like you mentioned, that Rockets team might have been underrated because we didn't know how good some of those players were at that point. They were much younger. They would go on to be you know, terrific all-time players, wrapped around you know, probably the greatest, one of the greatest players of all the time, and, and it came the dream there. But you know, Ewing, Houston, and Ward were suspended for game six, and Starks and Johnson were out for game seven. You know, they go on and they lose those two games. They lost one game by five points, and the other one they lost by 11. That was game seven, I believe, right? Yeah. You know, um, so, you know, the Heat, you know, go on to advance to, to face the Bulls, and they lose that series in five. I don't think the Heat were as good as the Knicks that year. I, I don't. So, um, try, to, try to help me out. Cause I'm trying to find it, too. But why, if Ewing, Starks, LJ, Ward, and Houston were as suspended is there a reason why they they split it up where all right half of you get game six and half of you get game seven why not just suspend all those guys for one game game six and everybody comes back for game seven you know that's interesting i don't really recall what the logic was i mean i guess you can't probably just decimate a team wholeheartedly they True. must have determined that the other players you know ba- basically probably their involvement in the brawl and maybe decided which games they would sit out you know, I just remember the players leaving the bench, and you know, I, I you know, it was it was an impacting kind of game, and those were great series. You know, that would be looking, you know, that would be the equivalent of the Yankees and Red Sox in the early, you know, two thousands, late late nineties. Um, you know, uh, the, the the Knicks and the Heat were just incredible series then. But you know, that was that was the team I think that was the best because Patrick Ewing still had something left in the tank, and and you flash forward two more years with some more 
uh, travel time on those knees. He was obviously not as good in 99. And, um, you know, the Knicks had Sprewell at that point. But I think that was the one year where, yeah, they still had some of their players from that 94 team like Starks and Ewing, but they had reinforcements. They had Allen Houston and Larry Johnson. So you add those players still in their prime to that mix. They had a nice balance. And I think they had a great coach, you know, Van Gundy, of course, the protege of Pat Riley. They were primed to, to contend for a championship that year. I think that was their best shot. Doesn't mean they would have won it, but I think they get to the finals that year. Might actually have gotten past the Bulls and gotten to the finals and, mm. you know, could have won it. I'm trying to – one thing that I'm trying to find is the game where – I know we uh, Pat Riley was a coach for the Knicks for about four or five years, and he left um, – I'm looking at it now. It was uh, crazy to think about it, but something how he wanted control over the personnel and the Knicks did not want to give that to him and they offered him uh, a substantial amount of money. He turned that down and by, just to kind of show how old this is, by facts, <laughs> he turned him down. He goes to Miami and then the first game Miami is in New York I think it was in December of 95. I can't find that game on YouTube anywhere. I, I, I want to see the reaction, but he comes back, major booze for him. Um, and like maybe his departure is what really set off their rivalry, which wouldn't kick off until the following year in 97. But, um, you know, him leaving, it, it, if he stays, you don't get Jeff Van Gundy coach in New York. Um, you don't revitalize what was going on with Miami and you don't get this rivalry for four straight years um, between New York and Miami. It, now, the, the rivalries back then meant like meant like you played each other in the playoffs and you win one one year, I win the other one, we go back and forth, which is something that you don't get nowadays from an individual uh, rivalry, from a from a team to team rivalry, the last one you probably could have been maybe uh, Cavs and Boston when LeBron was there, and, and Garnett and Pierce and them guys. Maybe I'm stretching it. I know before that was like L.A. and Sacramento Kings, but um, you just don't see those rivalries anymore nowadays. You know. Yeah, I mean, listen, those those series were extraordinarily aggressive, you know, defensively marked, you know, a lot of fouls in those series, intense physical play. And I think a lot of it can be traced back to Pat Riley. That's the kind of player that he was. That's the kind of coach that he was. You and I had mentioned it. I mean, Pat Riley is one of the game's great all-time coaches. He wins three coaches of the year. He does it with three different franchises. He does it with the Lakers when they win a championship. He does it with the Knicks, even though they didn't win a championship. And then he goes on to Miami, builds another dynasty there, maybe even two dynasties when you think about it, mm. and um, and wins, wins coach of the year there and has moved into you know the front office and done just as good a job, I think, in the front office as he has behind the bench. Give me a – paint me a scenario. One, did Pat Riley want out of New York too quick? You know, I think it's possible with his GQ personality that my, Miami was just too much of an allure for him to turn down. You know, I think South Beach would be tough for anybody to turn down. You saw it already with LeBron James. And it's also possible that he realized, looking at that Knicks roster, that as great a defensive team as they were, 
The Knicks were just missing. I, I really do think they were missing one player. Uh, you know, all these years growing up and looking back at how good those teams were, I could never really put a finger on which player it was. You know, I thought the Knicks got better when they added uh, Derek Harper to the point guard spot. I thought that, uh, you know, their, their veterans that they got, you know, Xavier McDaniel, you know, different guys that they picked up along the journey mixed in nicely with Starks and Oakley and Ewing. But I think at the end of the day, you know, the Knicks didn't have really any other Hall of Famers around Patrick Ewing. You know, Starks is a guy that if they had somehow won that seven-game series against Houston, his number would be retired in the rafters. And maybe the Knicks will still do that someday. I don't know. The same deal with Oakley. You know, of course, you look back on Starks' career. He's a classic overachiever, a non-drafted player, a guy that would have been considered a fringe NBA player that had a really nice career. And Oakley, I think, you know, I, to me, he's, you know, both of them were all-stars. But there's a difference between being an all-star and being a legend, being a Hall of Famer. Pat Riley probably knew that he got the most out of that roster. He had one Hall of Famer and Patrick Ewing and a nice collection of role players, a couple of which were all-stars and veterans. But he was missing something on that Knicks roster. And maybe the Knicks just never were able to get it. You know, there were rumors during that stretch that uh, a trade had almost occurred that would have brought Mitch Richmond to the Knicks. He might have been the guy that the Knicks needed because their offense had always, you know, kind of been dull, I would say. And, and that's no knock to it. They were, of course, a defensive minded team. But the Knicks, you know, when your best player is a center that needs to be fed the ball, it's difficult to have a high powered offense because Patrick Ewing really wasn't creating his own shots. And he's not a shooter, of course. He had his fadeaway jump shot, and he was, you know, lethal in the paint, especially in his in his youth and his prime, where he could just dunk on anybody. But the Knicks didn't have a lot of that, uh, you know, maybe penetration or long range ability at that time. They they won games more low scoring, and they scored when you know when they had to. Patrick still was a very good scorer, but I think they lacked probably that number one offensive option as a guard. And the Knicks didn't get those players for Patrick until he was kind of more towards the tail end of his career. You know, the, the guys like like a Mitch Richmond would be the equivalent of maybe adding a Latrell Sprewell or an Allen Houston or even both of them. But by the time the Knicks get both of them, Patrick is like, you know, almost on empty. And you, as you know, he was out for that finals in 99. So, um, you know, it just things never came together for the Knicks. Maybe Pat Riley saw the writing on the wall had a chance to go to South Beach and start over. Yeah, you know what? I I, I never either I never knew or I totally forgot that Mitch Richmond during that time was up in the air for trade from the Knicks. Uh this has gotta be ninety seven, ninety eight. So I know at the time he was with the Kings in Sacramento. But I'm trying to remember without looking where he went after Sacramento, which kind of derailed any trade talk with New York. Yeah, I, mean, I actually think at the time when he was rumored to come to the Knicks, he was with Golden State, right? That might have been where he no, was at that time. He, in the early days, it was Golden State. Then he went to Sacramento in, in, uh, in the mid-90s. Yeah, so he plays, yeah, he plays with Golden State until 91. So you're right. At that point, he would have been with the Kings. 
Yeah, I can't. I can't even remember what the trade was. You probably could look that up. But I mean, you look at Mitch Richmond's career highlights. You know, he did win a championship at that point at the tail. I guess maybe well, maybe not the tail end. Two thousand two, he wins a chip with the Lakers. A six-time All Star, All Star Game MVP. You know, he he might have been the guy that pushed the Knicks over the top when you add him. You know, with some sort of combination of those other players we mentioned, especially Patrick. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. He was involved in the trade that sent him to Washington for Chris Weber going to Sacramento. Okay. But at the time that everybody wanted him, that was in the 97-98. He was averaging 23 a game, four assists, three rebounds. So he was still... he. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten straight years of averaging 20, 20 plus. And and to me, to this day, if they had just a like a like you said, like a Mitch Richmond type of shooting guard that can take over the game, the clutch shots, and that kind of person, then maybe they 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 they, they would have won with him. Yeah, I think he was the missing ingredient for that that team. Now, again, it's tough to say. You know, it'll always be speculation and hearsay, I guess. But I think looking back on those Nick teams, they were so good defensively. They had nice camaraderie. Yeah. But they were missing one prolific, high-profile guard that might have still been, you know, in his prime. You know, the Knicks ended up with a bunch of players that were very good. You know, Doc Rivers, like I mentioned to you before, Derek Harper. Um, you know, the even you know even John Starks. I think he'll, you know he's one of the most beloved Knicks of all time. But of all those guys I just named you, I'd much rather have Mitch Richmond in his prime than those guys. Right? Maybe Derek Harper in his prime, but the Knicks got Derek Harper towards the tail end as well. Yeah, that that seems to be the you know the norm. They get everybody past their prime. So yeah, yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> you know, years from now we'll look back and you know someone will tell you, hey, did you know that Jason Kidd played for the Knicks or hey, Rasheed Wallace played for the Knicks. Yeah. You know, and you're like, yeah, of course. Those, you know, even even Chauncey Billups. You know, the Knicks have yeah. notoriously gotten guys that were really, really good. Where they're trying to get them. I mean, I mean Tracy McGrady. Yeah, they got Tracy McGrady. Yeah. You know, but they got uh, them when they were too. You know, wait, wait. You know, Steve Francis when they were when they were too past the prime. Meta World Peace. Absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, man, I you know when you bring up New York '97, I was not a Knicks fan. At that time, but when you kind of go back and reminisce and revisit that, yeah, you could say Knicks up 3-2, full rostered, no suspensions. They get it done, and they, they get Chicago in uh, the conference finals, and you kind of take it from there. But, you know, you know, in, in, in hindsight, you, you could have had a New York-Utah NBA finals, but you get Utah and Chicago. Yeah, I mean – I think it's possible that Utah would have beaten that Knicks team too. I mean, listen, I I just said to you before, you know, I uh, I think the Stockton Malone combination is great, and they also had some other very good players on those Utah teams. But you know, they ran into Michael Jordan and the Bulls. <laughs> you know, just like the Knicks did, just like the Suns did, just like all of those teams. I mean, even even back further, you know, the Portland Trailblazers and Clyde Drexler or Sean Kemp and the Seattle Supersonics. You know, there were a lot of really good teams that Kemp, you know, Kemp and Gary Payton were on that, that, that Seattle team and they ran into Jordan and the Bulls. 
Yeah. Just about everybody who ran it ran into Chicago and just couldn't get over the hump. But um I mean I, I really enjoyed this episode with the uh you know, kinda remixing the NBA great fifty, greatest fifty list of all time. I know, you know, when this goes out you might get some people who might agree, who might disagree, but that that's the nature of the show. Um, always get people involved and engaging and you know a, a, many Nick fans would probably well I would say would agree with you I would love to agree the fact that if nobody was nobody was suspended in 97 in those playoffs and they would get past Miami and then you'd kind of take your chances with Chicago but um, always good to hear those stories from you and you know kind of makes me as a fan want to go back and look back at those games because you know many of those games are now on, on on YouTube where I can watch every game of the of, of the playoffs from from '97 in that in that series. I can watch up and down and be like, you know what, man, damn, baby, like, and kind of go back and see why the whole fight started. Then you go back to '98 and Jeff Van Gundy holding LJ and Morning's legs and for the for the, for that brawl, like, that's a whole different topic for a different day. But kind of shows you the, the 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 fierce rivalry New York and, and Miami had. My my final question is, who, from what you seem, um, would be the greatest Nick rivalry? Is it Miami? Is it Indiana? Is it Chicago? Which one? Well, that's a really good question, Randy. I would I would have to go with the the Heat and the Knicks at at that time. I think it was one of the fiercest rivalries in the NBA at that time, and I think probably one of the fiercest rivalries in NBA history. You know, I think you're going to probably put Lakers Celtics number one but the Knicks would be in that conversation for definitely top five what Knicks and Miami top five yeah yeah Knicks and, and Miami Heat top five of all time mm. I mean for me I think it would be New York and Chicago I think that was always um... yeah but was that much of a rivalry though I know I just said to you before that the, the Knicks beat them three out of four times but all four of those series go the distance they go you know in those four consecutive seasons which at that point we had never seen that before, where each series had gone the maximum possible number of games between two teams. Right. But the Knicks, to me, were never really totally in those Bulls series. Aside from the year when Starks dunks on Jordan and Pippen, there was no way the Knicks were beating the Bulls, and they never beat them anyway. I don't know if that makes it a rivalry. You know, it's just the same thing like that Yankee. I know I'm changing sports here, but that Yankee Red Sox quote unquote rivalry did not really happen until the Red Sox started winning World Series. True. Because up until 2003, even though that series goes seven, Aaron Boone hits the home run, the Yankees go to the World Series. The Yankees had dominated the Red Sox for almost 100 years. And then all of a sudden, 04 comes around, they break the curse down 3-0 they come back win that series in seven ever since they broke the curse you can make a case that the red sox have been the dominant team these last 15 years so now we now we have an actual rivalry uh the heat and the knicks really i don't i think that their series even if the knicks had won three out of four every series was going the distance that was a good rivalry i think with the bulls Mm -hmm. it was almost a foregone conclusion that Patrick Ewing and that team were not going to beat Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. And what about real quick? What about New York and uh, Indiana? Because those went those went the distance in ninety four, ninety five, and I think game six and ninety nine, ninety three was a sweep. So that you know, I I'd think, almost put know. that. I'd almost put that even then before I put them. Uh, I put them ahead of the Bulls too. 
I probably would go Heat, Pacers, Bulls. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just because of the villain that is Reggie Miller. Mm-hmm. Which even though know, even though he's beyond my top fifty, exactly, which you don't have in the top fifty. <laughs> Sorry, know, Reggie. Okay, so real quick before you before you head out, I'm gonna. I want people to engage me too, Randy. They can hit me up with the voice Bobby C on Twitter or Instagram and let me you know let me know their thoughts about uh, some of my feelings here. So well, there you. Go. I'm cool with that. Um, to to reiterate your your new top fifty. I'm going to say this once. So we got Kareem. We have Nate Archibald, Charles Barkley, uh, Rick Barry, Elgin Baylor, Larry Bird, Wilt, Kuzi. Billy Cunningham is still still here, Bob. Still here. Um, Clyde Drexler, Dr. J, Pat Ewing, Walt Frazier, Iceman, Hal Greer, Havlicek, Elvin Hayes, Magic, Nate Thurmond, uh, Jordan, Jerry Lucas, The Mailman, Moses. Mikhail, Mike, and Earl Moreau, Hakeem, Shaq, Pettit, Pippen, Willis Reed, Oscar, uh, David Robinson, Bill Russell, John Stockton, Isaiah Thomas, Jerry West. And now we go to LeBron, Kobe, Duncan, D. Wade, Garnett, Dirk, AI, Ray Allen, Steph Curry, KD, J. Kidd, Steve Nash, and Paul Pierce. I mean, listen, Randy, I, I know you're going to, I mean, I might be biased too, because you know how much I love our New York guys, but Billy Cunningham, born in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. okay, he goes to Erasmus Hall in Brooklyn, plays at North Carolina, he's a top five pick in the 1965 draft, mm-hmm. pick, pick number five overall, his number 32 for Philadelphia is retired by the Sixers, you go back and you look at his career, wins a championship in 67, he's a four-time All-Star from 69 to 72, Three-time All-NBA first team, one-time All-NBA second team. He was All-NBA rookie team. He was an ABA MVP in 73, ABA All-Star, All-ABA first team, all-time ABA all-time team. And then, you know, again, mixing in some of the other college stuff, not that that would be part of the top 50, but, mm-hmm. you know, clearly he was a great player even at the college level. He was ACC player of the year in 65. And then he goes on to have a great coaching career. Now, I know that stuff would not be factored in, but again, for his era of that 60s, 70s, I think he was above some of the other guys that were older on the list that I bumped off. That was just how I felt about it. He played 17 seasons in the league. All right. I mean, it sounds sound like a pretty good list. Very entertaining. A lot of, uh, you know, I want the people to really tell me they agree, disagree, who comes off, who comes on, but... Um, I thought this was a, a great conversation to have with you. Always a pleasure having you on, Bob. I know we haven't done a podcast in a, in, in a while. I know we'll get you on pretty soon to come back on with a brand new topic, but always appreciate it, my man. Same here, man. It was a pleasure to be on. All right, let, man. The debate, let the debate begin. Likewise, man. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. Take care. All right.